Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Episode 11. Yes, we're almost to the end of our season one. I know. We're gearing up for the finale. For the finale. It's going to be disappointing, so we have nothing planned, but believe us, it will be magnificent. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's like the opening to... Um, Beauty and the Beast, where like, see each morning. Yeah, but good morning, good night, good afternoon, good evening, Mr. Truman. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. Yep, we are. I'm Ruby. And I'm Buffy. Here we are. This is Blush and Stuff. Welcome. Take a seat. Relax. Sip on your beverage. Not if you're driving, though. If you're driving, sip on your non-alcoholic beverage. There it is. My brother, when he was little, used to think that any kind of drinking and driving was legal. Like, if we went to McDonald's and my dad got, like, a Pepsi, he'd be like, Dad, you can't drink and drive! <laughs> my dad would be like, you don't understand what that means! <laughs> That's fantastic. That's yeah. awesome. Some exciting thing that happened this week. Mm-hmm. Me and Ruby finally got to unite. We did. In the workplace. And we're, like, in each other's pod and we got COVID tested and then we were all... In the same bubble app applying. We were on the same application. But But we were on the same set. And that's about as much as we can ask for. I think Mm -hmm. the company knows that we're... Deeply in love. Oh, I was going to say dangerous together. But that both of those could work equally. It's a fine mix between both. Yes. And I think that they don't want our power together. No, I think they could sense it too past year we've been like missing each other on projects i know you've been on one project and i've been on another and then when you're free i'm not and i know when, you know no, you're in Kamloops working oh, yeah on the coke and holla the devil's passage <laughs> but so it was really nice it was a nice refreshing we were texting each other the night before being like thank god you'll be there tomorrow i know and then at lunchtime we both like got our lunches and we went and sat in my car by ourselves <laughs> like two old lonely and, women like, reclined the chairs and we're like oh my god oh. eating our vegetarian chili and sugar cookies like like no one bothers us and then on the walkie it was just like ruby ruby are you still in walkie i was like oh god coming 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 i'm on the way i'm on the way but it was a momentary silence of each other's company that we appreciated. Nice. We needed it. Honestly. Yeah. Something that I also want to bring up that I mentioned in the last episode for Queen's Gambit is that I mentioned that brief thing about uh, Heath Ledger was due to direct and Ellen Page was supposed to star. Since that episode was recorded and aired, um, Elliot is actually the correct terminology. Yes, I, re- I saw that he came out. Yes, and I just want to pay respect to that and know that I registered that and I just wasn't being an ignorant human by just continuously calling them by their past name and not their yes. actual name. So, there you go. Love that. Love that. Very happy. L- love Elliot as an actor and as a performer, oh. and I'm so mm-hmm. excited for their future. Yeah, definitely. Peace and, and love forever. Great on, great on them for being just their true self. And hey, we're all just trying to walk each other home at the end of the day. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, friend. It's a nice thought. Hey. Also, um, speaking of nice oh. thoughts, it was Rick Baker's birthday recently. I saw his little video he put on Instagram, which yeah. was just the cutest thing. Yeah, he turned seventy. He's like the biggest dad. Just the dad vibes that come off this man. Yeah. He He's and like, he like loves his kids too. Like he does, I, yeah. I know, like dad. Like, is it a whole analogy of just, like, you know, encapsulating the dad vibe? <laughs> but, like, he is, just looks like a great father. Yeah. Yeah. So, happy birthday, Rick Baker. That was yes. on the 8th, I believe. Happy 70th. And, I mean, I was on the 6th, so I mean, Rick Baker. Okay. Ruby, we already made the last episode about your birthday. No, it wasn't I didn't much. even I get a birthday episode, so. Yeah, well, we weren't recording when it was your birthday. <laughs> yeah, there was a little thing called the pandemic. <laughs> coronavirus. I can throw you a birthday party when we get there. It'll be like episode something or other or season whatever, but I'll bring you some balloons and wine and we'll have a little chin-chin. A chin-chin. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, what else has gone on this week? I mean, I like it was my birthday and it was really fun. Oh my gosh. Let's go back to Ruby's birthday. I cooked a mushroom pie. Did you cook a mushroom pie? Yeah. Because we were talking about mushrooms a lot I- again. Wow. And you did it. I am such a streamlined human. <laughs> Predictable, some would say. Um, yeah, I did. I cooked mushroom pie. and it's it go? Mashed potato. Oh, it was delicious. A three mushroom pie, have you? Oh. This is literally like, I work with a man called Brendan who is allergic to mushrooms. So if he's listening to this, he's probably like wrenching and pulling over in his vehicle. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I was watching 
sugar rush. What's that? It's a baking competition of on course, Netflix. You know I love those. You Ellis know I love Kitchen. Those. I can't. All of the even that little chef thing that you and Daniel got addicted to. Overcooked. Overcooked the game. Love it. My favorite game. Mm-hmm. Every, literally every night I ask Daniel to play with me. He says he's not in the mood because it's exhausting with me. Oh, it's. Didn't you play for like eight hours straight once? Twelve. Yeah. Twelve. Twelve hours. Yeah. Were you showing a keyboard? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really good. I had half. He had half, and we played from like nine a.m. to actually it was honestly probably longer than twelve hours. Wow. <laughs> we couldn't stop. That's mostly, really it was good. Me. It was me it's mostly. It's a very addictive game. It is. And I just wanted to get all the levels and, you know, mm. this whole thing. But, yeah, he's on the cyberpunk train now. So, that's a, a lot of train. people are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good train to be on. Yeah. So, that was that. And then we, um... Oh, my fucking God. My laptop has been voice recording everything. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just looked down and I was like, what is happening uh, what oh are god. all these notes oh my god and it read it keeps happening why isn't it stop stop cortana stop cortana <laughs> <laughs> now we have a transcript <laughs> this needs to i don't know how to stop it hold on ah! <laughs> episode of the office recently uh, oh we're back after technical difference courses. <laughs> hi um, yeah and i watched the beach episode and they're doing the hot dog eating contest and oh michael's like whoever eats the most hot dog has to be regional manager of scranton and then phyllis is like but they're so dry and he's like just go dip it in the lake and slide it down your gullet phyllis <laughs> she's like oh with this being our second last episode of our first season. Oh, we're going ever. big ever. That's it. It's done. We tried. We failed. What do you do? We're living the shoe. No, we're pl- we're planning on coming back. Assuming everything goes as planned. Um, Sophie, why don't you tell? Why don't you tell the group what you're talking about this week? <laughs> it's like group therapy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, something I'm familiar with. Um, <laughs> all too familiar with. Ooh. Okay, so this week I will be doing. This is a redo. We've had to redo this a couple times. I just got a little, little stage fright. I think we're both a little tired. We're all sleeves and we're ready for Christmas. Ruby's gonna get right twitch soon. Oh, yeah, it's coming back with a vengeance. <laughs> so I'm doing Westworld. What we've established that Buffy hasn't seen. No. Or maybe we've just established that if I edit this, edit the last bit out. Um, but yes, we are going to be, I'm going to be doing Westworld today. What is super exciting because I really enjoyed the show. And I'm going to be dabbling in season one and two and touch upon a variation of techniques and looks from both seasons from the research I could gather. So I'm not going to be focusing on one character today. So try to keep up. Oh. Is that a challenge? It's a threat. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Scary. No. It's really awesome. And, like, I just then, like, hearing myself being like, yeah, it's, like, really great. I really liked it. I'm like, why would I do something I hate? Just to be so negative. Being like, yeah, I picked Westworld because I fucking hate it. It's my least favorite show on television. So I tortured myself by researching it for hours on end. And now I'm going to talk about it for the next 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. Enjoy. Love it. I hope you hear the disdain in my voice. (laughs) I do. You kind of look like Nina Dobrev when you did that then. When she's playing that, like, the evil one in Vampire Diaries. Oh, yeah. Kathleen. Catherine. 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 And she's like, what do you mean to me? I'm Elena. I'm Elena. Yeah. I actually preferred Catherine to Elena. Did you? Yeah. In Dobrev's performances. Am I pronouncing her name right? I think so. Dob. Dobby. Um, <laughs> Dobrev. She's a very attractive woman. I have a friend that looks just like her, actually. She's lucky, then. Yeah. That friend. Yeah, she was in Vancouver, actually, shooting. No, my friend, Nina Dobrev. Oh, I was like, wow, which friend is this? <laughs> <laughs> She's in Australia. Um, but no, Nina Dobrev was shooting, like, a Hallmark or some feature here recently. A Hallmark? Or maybe a feature. I don't know. I'd, I haven't followed her career closely ever since <laughs> Vampire Diaries. Good for her, though. I like her. She's pretty cool. Anyway, Westworld. Here we are. Nothing to do with her, but... Nothing to do with Vampire Diaries either. You should do Vampire Diaries one time. That's a show you'll like. That would be a fucking good time. Yeah, it would. Damon Salvador? Plenty of gifts I like of him. (laughs) Oh my god. Good thing this is a podcast where people... Yeah, people would look at my face (laughs) and saying that and they'd be like, creeper. Huge creeper vibes right now. (laughs) Wow. Merry Christmas. (laughs) 
Um, why are you laughing at me? I'm having a hard time, mommy. Me <laughs> and my friend in the UK used to always be like, be like, mommy, no. Um, that was a little strange. Okay, so Westworld. It was originally a 1973 American science fiction Western thriller film written and directed by Michael Crichton, also responsible for the original Jurassic Park. Very intelligent man, very good writer. Yep, and the plot concerns amusement park androids that malfunction and begin killing visitors. Basically the same thing as Westworld, the series. So, yeah, it was originally came out in the 70s as a film. Interesting, I didn't know that. But it's been revamped. Um, so, mm-hmm. Enter Ruby. Uh, hello. Um, <laughs> so the description is not far off the series, but unfortunately Michael Crichton passed away in 2008. So the series has many writers and directors, but two names that are heavily repeated are Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan's brother, and a woman called Lisa Joy. Hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. I picked it because I loved it and I preferred season one. I actually didn't make it through season two. Um, I did watch half of it and then my mind went elsewhere. But I think it, the show is a great balance of explicit prosthetics. Um, for example, gunshot wounds to the face, but also balances out with clean polished beauty makeups. Plus some great dirt and dust and blood dressing. What we love. A little bit of combo it's a, of everything. It's all over. It's like the Happy Meal. Oh. Mm-hmm. Nice. So let's start Tell on... Tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. You want chicken nuts? <laughs> I'll tell you, he did. Chris... Okay. <laughs> I should never be like a radio host, like a live radio host. I no. can you imagine my audition? It would be like it would go. They'd have to post it on YouTube. It'd go have you live. seen? Have you seen Love Actually? Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I'm British, so yes. Okay, so you know, you know, what the part when. What's his name? Hugh Grant. Yes. Is meeting his like new employees and yes. he meets Mrs. He's like, fuck shit. Yeah, oh. she's like, shit, I, I shouldn't have said that. Fuck. Oh my god, I did it again. Shit. And she just keeps on cussing. Yeah, and, and she can't stop. And she can't stop. Love her. That would be you on the radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'd be like, am I allowed to say shit? I'm not? Oh, fuck. Sorry. No, yeah. I just said that. Is that bad? Can we edit that out? And this then is live? Hugh, Fuck. Hugh Grant would walk in and be like, well, you could really say wank, and then we'd all be tr- in trouble or something. And then I'd be like, Hugh, me and you, together, sunset, fuck shit, wank, all at once. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Okay, I just did it. I literally just reenacted the scene. Oh, that's disgusting. None of that. So, season one... <laughs> Um, for 10 episodes, Christian Tinsley, a favorite, a favorite. Um, yeah, he worked on 10 episodes for season one as the makeup designer. Nice. Mm -hmm. So he, Christian Tinsley, we've previously mentioned him before, but he's an Academy Emmy and Guild award winning makeup, makeup enthusiast, owner of Tinsley Studio Prosthetics and Tattoos and Tinsley Transfers. And you can find all of this information and all of his products at tinsleystudio.com. We've talked about him before in a previous episode as well. Yeah, it was on Fury because he yes. made the huge backs the back for War Daddy. You're right, but he didn't get credited. Yes, that's where it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to touch on a few makeups that I actually found from his personal Insta that he was very giving of when the show was released. Nice, a lot of yeah, a lot of chat about it, a lot of photos, a little background BTS knowledge. We love it when people do that. Yeah. So one of the most memorable visuals from the season found on the main artwork of the show and seen throughout the season was the stripped-down shape of a host in progress based on Leonardo da Vinci's um, man drawing. You know, the one where it's all like... Yeah. Like, economical and, like, this is the body. Anatomical. and The human anatomy? Yes. There it is. It was based on that. So I'm sure you've seen it. It's, like, the kind of like the face of Westworld because it's, like, the robots getting maked and that... Maked? Hmm. Da Vinci would love my mind. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't you study me, Leo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it, and he was responsible for making those two. So on Instagram, Tinsley explains him and his team created a total of three of these men for the three stages of assembly as the robots are getting made. They sculpted these tree-sized life men. I don't know what size of tree, <laughs> but I'm guessing around six foot. They were like large men. Um, and they sculpted them, and it made me think of how long it takes me to sculpt, like, a simple ear. And there were, like, four sculptors working on these giant, like, That's men. Crazy. And, like, sh- the, you know, like, carving out the muscles and the skull and, like, everything. Yeah. 
yeah. As soon as you type in Westworld online, this image will come up. So Christian Tinsley's responsible for that. And the sculpts look freaking beautiful. And they look like they're done in monster clay, which is just basically a type of clay. Um, hmm. It's just red, and that's why I think it might be monster clay. And Interesting. That's all I'm going off. <laughs> it's an ed- I like that, an educated guess. And ed- Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk about Hector. He... Um, oh my god, talking of love, actually, he is in love, actually. Oh! Rodrigo Santoro. He is the real... I, th- I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. <laughs> Me, every line. Me, every episode, sorry. He's the one that's working the office with that uh, ginger-haired woman. Right! And she, like, loves And she's in him. love with him. Yeah. And, and then that, she's like, does everyone else know? And her boss is like, yes. Uh, her boss, Alan Rickman. Yes. Is like... Yes, everyone knows. R.I.P. Love Alan Rickman. Yeah, and that's him. So he's in Westworld. Wow. And he plays this outlaw, and he comes into town once a month. So his rope, he's a robot, and he's like programmed to come in, and he's like shoots the place up, and he's really badass, and he's really sexy, and he's got his like glistening bod. He's really cool, and he's called Hector. I don't, I don't think that name transpires as well, but you know, what do you do? Yeah. Um. So an early version of Hector. Uh, the makeup shows a variation of the Outlaw's trademark scar, what kind of goes like across his face and under his eye. So what they did to try and make his look was that the makeup artist extended the goatee <laughs> by adding hair to Rod- Rodrigo's own hair. The mustache was his own and was left a little longer. Um, the major difference was the scar. So Tinsley states that he first created an indented scar. What... Yeah, an indented scar, what he personally liked, but the higher, he called them the higher-ups, wanted it, the white hats have you, the producers, <laughs> wanted it uh, to be a raised keloid Interesting. You, you know, talking about scars, I prefer an indented scar. Me too. I'm not a huge fan of the keloid scars. I, I think it's more of a challenge having an indented. I think so too, and I just think indented scars look more... Your edges have to be great. On that process, they should always be great. And indented scars? Yeah, because you're I building up use, already. Or I would use collodion. You'd use that? Yeah, I would. Have you used it before? Um, I have, personally, I have not. But I have been on a show where they did use it. Mm. I just remember always being told in school to stay away from it. It's really removed. That's wrong. the thing. It can be really bad. That's the thing. You can't, with collodion is like a chemical that you can put on people's faces and it basically as it dries shrinks in size so when it's attached to skin it pulls the skin in with it and it looks really cool it looks really cool kind of like how it looks when you sleep really funny on a pillow yeah and you have those indents the lines but like like that but extreme Mm -hmm. the problem is is that when it dries it's like really hard so you can't just go taking it off with any kind of remover it needs it has a very specific removal Otherwise, you can really hurt the person's skin because it just won't come off and you'll just be scrubbing the yeah, solvents. Yeah, so don't go out and buy collodion. Yeah, wouldn't recommend it for just the average person to use. It's used by professionals only for that reason. And not some don't even and use it. And a lot of people won't even use it, yeah. Mm, but um, I agree with you. It's a great effect. Yeah. No, I was on a show that used it. We needed someone to have a big scar. The designer I was with decided to try collodion, and it turned out really cool. It had a really cool effect. And, I mean, she had a really good effects effects artist applying it who was able right. to obviously remove it perfectly. We love that. But it looked really cool. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, they... That was a long tangent about scars. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, it's worthy. That's what this podcast is about. Yeah, they basically extended his goatee, played with his hair... Then they messed around with his uh, big old scar on his face, and they were like, yeah, make a keloid. But on Tinsley's Instagram, you can see the original test and the original photo, so it's an indented scar. Um, And what I actually, my favorite, favorite part of the makeup is that around the crow's feet of the actor, um, you can see he's, like, relaxed, but you can see the change in skin coloration um, that he's obviously added to make him look like he has, a, like, a suntan. To, and the, they filmed in Utah and California, and the show is a Western, so it's, like, a hot environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so the character would be squinting a lot, giving him these natural, subtle tan lines that Christian Cincy obviously just, right. like, mimicked already. Clever. So when he's, like, relaxed, you can still see there's, like, these little faint tan yeah. lines of, like... Because also it's a Western, so they don't have glasses to put on. They no. actually always be squinting yeah. and outside. Yeah. And he's an outlaw, so it's not like he has a house. Well, he might. 
I don't know. But his character is. He's also a robot. So, who knows? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I like that little detail. I do too. So, Old Bill is one of the first original robots. Um, and we see him when he's in storage with Anthony Hopkins. They're having a conversation. Um, and his paintwork and makeup is so beautiful. And they made a prosthetic for him to show some older wiring coming through. Because Anthony Hopkins goes down to the storage and just talks to him. And he's one of, like, the first ever robots they created. So he's, like, super old and dated and can't move. And he's, like, kind of falling apart. But the makeup they put on him and the prosthetics is, like, really beautifully painted. And they had lace pieces on him, I believe, the actor. And although the character was such a small part in the story, I might actually upload an image of him. Because the paintwork on the skin is so natural. And the use of purples and reds, it, it looks like sun damage to me. And I just really love how they painted it. And it's oh, such, nice. like, a subtle character, but it's so, like, emphasized of, like, an old to new robot style. Yeah. And, yeah, I really liked it. That's something I notice a lot with Westworld overall is that every robot or host, as they call them, is a character. They're in a theme park and they are constantly hiring the same BG for continuity because um, you have the people that visit the theme park and then the hosts. So those robots that are there all the time are, are always there. Are, because Yeah, you have your main ensemble cast, uh, your principals, and then you have like your kind of background, but like main actors or some who are like known characters that always reappear at moments. Yeah. Um, so, and then you have your other BG like robots. So yeah, they would have had... There would have been a lot of continuity. A lot of continuity and mm-hmm. also a lot of characters to make. Yeah. And I know that Snowpiercer, the series, because um, obviously it was a film originally, but it's now a series and that's shot in Vancouver. I know some people that worked on it and they said that like all the BG is always rehired because it's shot on a train. So you're not getting any new fresh faces. No. Yeah. And so the makeup designer on that, Rosalina, I've heard like made every BG a character. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they are a character. And yeah. they're going to be shown at some point, even if it's yeah. in the background. They're not one-offs. That's, yeah. like, a living, like, human and character now because they're a continuation of BG. Yeah. And that's what I feel Westworld was going for as well. Awesome. Yeah. And a makeup that I also really loved was a vibrant and well-captured image um, on Christian's... Christian Tinsley. <laughs> I keep saying Christian or Tinsley. <laughs> um, Instagram was a member of the Ghost Nation, it's it's kind of a tribe that comes in and they're very like mysterious and yeah they basically kill a bunch of people and they're really cool i dig the makeup part it was a combination of black charcoal juxtaposed by white mud with a flare of fresh red blood the white almost looks like dried out white aqua color and it because it's like cracking around and it's like heavy tribal makeup well it's like very it was like a different storyline in the westworld plot um, so I really like that makeup they did for those robots, and I thought they were very different. Mm. And they were supposed to be representing a different type of plot line that the people could visit in the theme park. And yeah, I just remember seeing them and just the colors of like black, white, and red, and then this like cracking effect. And they're pretty, pretty darn cool. They probably offer like pretty good contrast too from the other Westworld robots. Absolutely. Like from like the sun damaged cowboy versus like the. Mm. And then they have the beautiful, like, women robots and the barman. Like, it's actually such a series that you're... I'm tangenting off, but it's, like, such a series because it's basically, like, humans go there, pay extortionate amounts of money to go to this lifelike theme park, and they can do whatever they want to these robots with no repercussions. A bunch of humans going there to, like, blow off steam. Yeah. And, like, these awful things happen to these robots, and it's these robots, like, starting to remember things and having, like, a conscious being because they're programmed to such high ability. Yeah. Um, and it just makes you, like, it highlights humans to be pieces of shit, what we are, not all of us, but a lot of us, and, yeah, so, like, they, the makeup and the writing is really honed in that all these robots have characters, and that is transpired through makeup and through costume and through personality that they're all programmed to be that way, so when these humans come in and they do these awful things to them, it's just, like, they already feel like a human. You don't have that, like, oh, they're just a robot. Like, you have empathy for these poor robots. Yeah, you've seen their stories. And humans are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of went on a tangent from you saying, oh, yeah, the cowboys and the <laughs> Ghost Nation drive. And, like, I was just like, yeah, you know what? Humans suck. <laughs> um, so another amazing thing was Merkins. Huge, huge thing. Huge thing on the show. Because, again, a lot of the robots are naked because they're either getting repaired to go back out or there's lots of sex scenes or regardless, there's just a lot of Merkins flying around. So Tinsley said that him and the team made around 500 Merkins, give or take, 
after the early morning calls of application or in downtime, they would make merkins for the season. Jesus. Um, so yeah, loads of nudity. He mentions that it was important for him that the hosts had a pleasant adult quality, meaning these merkins were full. Yeah. Yeah. There was no like, a little bit of shaving here, a little bit of shaving here. That was like, you know, 70s as heck, like, or not even 70s. I'm all about the bush. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm into? I'm into however you want to groom your pubic hair. That's a good thing to be into. Yeah. Live your life. Thanks. <laughs> and Tinsley was about that too. He was just like, I'm going to give these guys a full bush. We don't need to over-sexualize or like trim Very anything. Nice. Let's just like put it on there. This is how it is. I'm guessing by now maybe who people don't know what merkins are. They are basically a wig for your genitals. Yeah. Yeah. So it's to, and it will like wrap around to maybe cover, uh, mainly for women, a merkins. You are, you can use a merkin as a man, I guess. But <laughs> these were for women and they kind of wrap around to like, you know, hide and like make sure you're a bit more comfortable when you're naked or as comfortable as you can be in front of crew and cameras. But yeah, they're just a hair piece. Yeah. That is glued down there. Um, Safely and appropriately. And Strong finish. Thanks. It got a, <laughs> I got a little weird in the middle, but thanks. Uh, so the image he shared, he actually floated for the application. So he made it by gluing it onto a glass surface, hairspraying it, then floating it off. Wow. So it wasn't on a lace piece. But it's also a cheaper way of doing it, especially if they're only for one-time use and you can make them at such large quantities quickly. Yeah. It's smart. And floating basically means where you glue hair to a form. He did it on a glass plate. Mm-hmm. And then you attach it all with your glue and then you spray it and it kind of hardens it after many layers of spraying. And then you can use 99% alcohol and go under it. Sounds really bizarre and complex, but it's a very simple and effective way. Yeah, you wouldn't think that all of the hair that it takes to create a piece would stick together, but it does. Yeah. You kind of use a mix of, isn't it water and prosade? I think it is, That you spray over it. Yeah, you can use that, yeah. And that basically like sets it. And then, yeah, what Ruby said, you just float it off. And then you can re-glue it onto the person that you're applying on. Yeah. And that's what they did. Or you can use a lace piece, what we've previously talked about mm-hmm. as well. But but did float pieces. Float pieces would make more sense because, like you said, you can use them on one person and then they're garbage, which I'm sure you probably don't want to be sharing Merkins. No. You know? And that's a big cleaning process that probably, as that, a makeup artist, I wouldn't want to be doing. No, and as an actor, I don't think I'd want that cleaning process. Also, mad respect for Tandy Newton. She was having an interview about, they were, like, talking about nudity in Westworld. And they were like, oh, yeah, the Merkins. She was like, I don't wear one. They were like, really? She was like, yeah, I want to go home when I wrap. I don't want to spend 40 minutes removing it and getting cleaned up. She was like, I'm, I just, I'm full nude. And everyone was like, oh. And she was like, yep, that's just how it is down there. <laughs> everyone was like, damn. And there you go. <laughs> you fucking go, Tandy. Tandy Newton's a beautiful actress. I love her. Tandy Newton plays a sex worker in the show, and she has a really interesting, amazing storyline, and she's, sometimes they reprogram the robots Mm -hmm. to have different storylines, and she's starting to remember previous storylines, and getting confused by them. Yeah, so she's awesome. I'd watch it just for her alone, Buffy. You're Um, selling me, I bet, I have to be honest. Yeah? You're selling me on it. It was the Merkins, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the Merkins and Old Bill. (laughs) The old robot. I can't resist. (laughs) No, you love your old Bills. Um, but also let's talk about number one, creating Dolores. Uh, that was played by Evan Rachel Wood. She is a robot and there is a scene where we see the creation of Dolores. So she's like in robot form still, like her skin hasn't been made. So they had the actress wear a blue, uh, screen suit with a silicone neck prosthetic and the prosthetic wasn't glued down. So the tech, that technician slash other actor in the scene could pull it down. So it's kind of like showing her like creation of body. Mm-hmm. Um, and like her face is on and alive and then they obviously made this like neck prosthetic to hang over and then blew like CGI the rest of her body to be like a robot Still robotic yeah yeah because she's also an older model um, so that was really cool and I really like seeing that and oh Jay Worth was the VFX coordinator on season one and he, uh, Christian Tinsey mentions him and says they work very closely together because there is so much VFX in Westworld right. as well. Mm-hmm. And I want to shout out to Mitch Devane, Mike O'Brien, Mike Hilliard, and Hiro Shaida, um, because they were big sculptors and applicators too, and helping Christian Tinsley with this process in the shop. 
So overall, uh, Christian Tinsley shows some magnificent work. And if you're squeamish, squeamish, squamish, don't look. But there are plenty of examples and images from the show that he displays online and on his Instagram. Um, another one that I really enjoyed looking at was Tandy Newton's uh, belly cut. That is a great texture prosthetic and stomach prosthetics always like get to me a little bit because you're having to think about the silicone you're wanting to like represent that fleshy like podgy texture Ugh, yeah right um and i believe that has maybe to do with the amount of slacker you put in so when you're mixing the silicone and when you add slacker the higher the amount of slacker the softer the silicone so mm -hmm. i think it'd be really hard to like gauge that balance when making your silicone of like okay it's on the stomach like what are we going for yeah it's gotta um, be more like floppy almost yeah and it feels like so much like flesh as well yeah because like, ever lost silicone prosthetic especially thick ones like that yeah because stomach ones are always thicker same with like neck pieces i find are usually a bit thicker and they always i feel a bit gross yeah you're like Ugh! Yeah. What's also <laughs> cool, though, about all these, uh, like, makeup prosthetics happening on, and, like, these big gashes and gunshot wounds and bruises, etc., etc., that are happening on these robots is that they don't need to follow continuity because they go into a repair shop and come out brand new. So that's, that's a bonus. Nice. Yeah, that's That nice. you're not then being, like, tracking okay, so it. the scarification yeah. and then this. How far then... along are we? 38 days. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, they're fixed. Um, so Movie magic. Season two. So what I believe to be true... Alyssa Marsh took over as department head and Rachel Hoke as the key. They both worked on season one, but I'm not sure what, like, how much they worked on it. Uh, but unsurprisingly, they are both Emmy Award winning makeup artists as well because they work on Westworld. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's a photo of them holding their Emmys and Rachel the key. Her arms are fucking incredible. They're, like, so muscular and, like, pristine. <laughs> I was, like, zoomed in, like, damn. Uh, and I got a lot of this information that I'm about to read out from refinery29.com. So just to keep on the blood and the battle wound kind of topic quickly, a lot of the cuts and gashes were applied using transfers, then hand-painted with colour and fake blood to complete the illusion. They used a fake blood company called uh, Red Drum because it washes out of clothing and hair, and if removed properly, doesn't stain the skin. Red Drum drives shiny and is a water-based um, blood. I've personally never used it, but I've seen it in stores. Yeah, but apparently it's great for getting out of shit because it's water-based, so it kind of makes sense. And I'm going to kind of touch upon, like, you know, Christian Tinsley had a huge, he has a huge prosthetic background, and he was doing a lot of the beauty makeups on set too, and you can see that on his Instagram. But these two women, they had an, they had an effects person called Justin Raleigh, um, and they were focusing on some of the beauty aspects and some of the um, adequate effects kind of style for the characters. Right. So that's why I'm kind of swapping between both worlds. So yeah, there was an extensive makeup team on every season and where one team that worked, there was one team that worked more on the beauty end with the principal cast and the other team which rendered most to special effects. However, depending on the scene and character, creating blood and dirt could easily fall into the hands of whichever artist was on set taking care of any specific character. They always tried to be prepared to jump in and create as necessary. So as I mentioned, Justin Raleigh was the FX takeover, also the CEO of Fractures FX. There's a really cool interview with him about Westworld on winteriscoming.net. It shows actually, this site shows a really impressive pic of Tandy Newton, who plays Maeve, a massive laceration, which required heavy medical research to find out how the muscle and tissue in the area around the neck would actually be arranged and mm. how that could form. Wow. Justin mentions with all... His large wounds, he always refers to a medical book or med or research on medical websites and getting those images and idea of how a surgeon would approach this layer by layer. I think he can tell this fantastical fiction plotline whilst also convincing visual representation of the impossible. I read that line from the site and I was like, that sounds fucking dope. <laughs> the balance of human and robot and the story calls for both. And I think that he was very present in that and very understanding and called for that like what could i push more or what would actually not make sense because it's a robot but they want these robots to be as like human like as right. possible so back to our friends rachel and Alyssa, they both gave some great beauty tips when battling with extreme heat and trying to keep that nicely polished robot look so number one the character dolores going back to that babe mm -hmm. evan rachel wood was created to look very porcelain like as the oldest host in the park along with old bill her <laughs> appearance is meant to remain consistent and we don't see her change. Her overall look doesn't change much. Um, when they first started filming, 
they said it felt like a science experiment learning how to keep Evan's skin protected, her body and her body makeup and face looking flawless and her tattoos covered. They tried using a liquid sunscreen on the first day they shot, but it oxidized with the makeup. And when she came back into the trailer after filming, there was like a yellow highlighter hue everywhere that had yeah. been they'd been unable to see in the sunlight. So they had to switch sunscreens pretty quick. Um, so from then on, they started applying the IS is. <laughs> clinical eclipse uh, at an SPF 50 to her whole face and body because they found that worked best without creating that, like, without messing up her face makeup too. Yeah. Especially when she's supposed to look perfect. Also, Evan and the makeup team decided that the best thing to do after lunch was to remove all the makeup from the skin. And they were huge fans of, oh, God, I'm going to butcher this, Colossal Eudulat. Eudulat. <laughs> I don't know why I have to put on a French accent. That's like the most arrogant British thing I could do. Um, (laughs) And it's a cleansing milk. And then they'd start the process all over because they were so having to have that polished, beautiful, like she's a robot. Yeah. Her skin's beautiful. Um, So they used to remove it at lunch and then redo it. I do the same thing on Van Helsing with my my cast member too. Oh, really? Because we were shooting outside so much. And like, yeah, by the time like she came back in after lunch, I was like, oh, no. Let's just do it. Sometimes it's for the best. It is. Um, because it was also so dirty and dusty because they were filming in barren exactly, parts of yeah. California and, and they Utah. They get grimy and you're like, this is not going to work for us. Mm. What they did as well, when they were on set, they kept a clean, big, fluffy brush and they would like dust them off quickly. That's smart. Yeah, oh, like, like just very, very lightly. Off. Yeah. Because yeah. um, sometimes the dust would rest on their eyelashes and dull their complexions. So they used that just as a little pro tip to be like, chum chum away. There we go. Uh, Finally, we're there, guys. We're there. I know you're keen for Buffy's, and I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) There's a few occasions where we see Evan, um, who plays Dolores, fully nude. Evan has many tattoos, apparently. And because of her extremely pale pink body tone, they said this makes all of her tattoos stand out in glorious detail. Because apparently they're quite dark, I guess. I don't know what her tattoos look like, but she's got a few of them. And they credited European body art and Dora-based alcohol airbrushed colors to paint over her tattoos. And they said that was a very efficient way. We've used Endura-based paints, mm-hmm. and they do not come off. Oh, really? You've used them, too. Oh, yeah, I have. Endura bloods. Yeah, oh, the bloods. Yeah. Shit, but I've the Endura, But the Endura bloods that we use were actually Endura paints that we thinned with alcohol. Oh, yeah, they were Bitch. And once that is on, that paint will not budge. Yeah. What's amazing for long filming days. Yeah. Like when you want to go home and you're when removing it. When it's like hour like 16 and you're like, mm, get me out of here. Yeah. And then I hate them. Really trying to get this <laughs> paint off with a little puff and some real estate. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that's pretty hard. Well, that's what they used and that would have helped a lot. There you go. Yeah. Um, and I can imagine they shot for very long hours, too. In the blazing sun. It was a production with a lot of money, too. They 100% were just keeping everyone there. Yeah, they're like, mail penalty? That's fine. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and then they would mix Makeup Forever face and body liquid, whose colors 36 and 38 if you're <laughs> intrigued, <laughs> and would apply by hand over the, entire, the entirety of her body. Um, after they completed the proper coverage and blend, they would use Lorac, Taintalizer, body bronzing luminizer, (laughs) fuck, (laughs) to add a bit of a flair to the skin. Um, But this can look very dangerous, dangerous and blingy. Like it can become dangerous, even not look dangerous. (laughs) I've never known a illuminating bronzer. Don't look it in the eyes. Very dangerous. Come for you. Come for you. (laughs) It's at the bottom of the makeup bag. Move it to the front. Move it to the front. and they said because they were shooting on film, apparently. What oh, I interesting. Did not, I did not know that. And I did not cool. guess that. But they quoted that they say that it can look um, blingy when shooting on film. Um, but it actually gave the body an extremely natural, flawless luster. So it was just like, you know, they finished it off with a bit of bronzer to like mm-hmm. help sculpt her a bit and help, you know, polish it up. But yeah, big credit to Endora Body Art and Makeup Forever um, Liquid foundation and then that illuminating bronzer from a name i will never pronounce again but i'm intrigued what it is yeah so also to end what i love that rachel hoke the key said was any good makeup artist will have a broad knowledge of all makeup application whether it's applying mascara or blood just saying you should you should you should know how to do that i agree 
and they both have, uh, Rachel and Alyssa have very extensive credit history, uh, <laughs> their credit score is off the rails. No, <laughs> their, um, credit history is really great, as is Christian Tinsley's. There you go. And that is Westworld. I hope it made sense. It did. It was really interesting. I did not know that it was filmed on film. That's something I, you don't hear about very often anymore. I And I didn't back up that information. I didn't then go look into the camera department of Westworld. But that's what I read. Well, I hope Come it's at true. Me. I Come ha- at me. I dare you. Go on. I'm using that shiny bronzer. I'm dangerous. Yeah. Write me an email. <laughs> Tell me how bad I am. <laughs> I dare you. Oh. Also to add that I forgot that I just read is... <laughs> Bring it back to Westworld. Yeah, okay. sorry. Is I'm not quite ready for it to give, the <laughs> to give up the microphone. Yeah. Um, is innovative is my word to describe these artists. Oh. I'm that's all you had to add? Yeah, I'm trying to add... Like, you want the last word. On a okay. wise note. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was a mess. Please take it away. I don't want to speak. Oh, I don't care. Mommy. Mommy, help. Mommy, help. I'm a mess. That's me trying to be you in my British accent. I'm so whiny. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm doing also a very prosthetic heavy show. I'm very excited about it. It's a great show. Carnival Row. Haven't seen it. Of course not. Why would I ever think that you've seen any show that I do and you've seen any show that I've done? We're just not compatible. No, that's what it is. That's what it is. Second to last episode ever, friends. It's been nice. It's been a good run. No, Carnival Row uh, premiered on Prime TV in 2019. It was created by Travis Beachman. Probably messing that up. Knowing me, knowing us. Who is he? I'm very sorry, Travis. Travis. And it is a fantasy crime drama, if you don't know what it's about. It's a really good show. I watched it last year. I just found out season two aired in at the end of October. I'm going to be watching that tonight. Hell yeah. It's a really good show. I definitely recommend it. If you haven't seen it, a little bit of a storyline for you. The fantasy crime drama follows a human detective named Rycroft Philistrate, played by Orlando Bloom. Love him. Beautiful man. As he investigates a string of murders in what the show calls Fate. Murders that are taking place in the Victorian era city Berg. Fate in this series referring to any non-human magical creatures. These magical creatures include anything from fairies, fawn, which in the show are called Puck, centaurs and much more what's really cool about this show is it's pretty much all done practically that is rad it's really cool we like some practical effects we love it the show is really interesting it's got a really interesting storyline there's like multiple layers of mystery war love folklore magic it's all in there it's such like really round-wounded Really? Well, 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 well. I cannot talk today. You're doing great. I can't. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mommy. <laughs> Diving into the makeup department, the makeup designer, not the makeup effects designer. The we'll makeup. Him later. Mm-hmm. The makeup designer, Vincenzo Mastrantonio. Um, with makeup effects designer, Nick Dedman. <gasps> yes, we've talked about him before. Oh, Nicky. If you remember our episode on the fifth element. No? But, <laughs> no, no one? Okay. Well, he did that as well. Um, with key makeup artist being Frederico Caretti. Love that. Each creature in the series has extensive designs behind them from costumes, hair, makeup. All of these creatures are like so well developed, so amazing. Even from like the background, they were like full on prosthetics. It's crazy what they did. Good. We went for two very in depth, detailed, expensive (laughs) shows. shows. (laughs) Artists that really care. They really do. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit, uh, mainly I'm going to talk about the pucks, but before I do that, I'm going to touch on Cara Delevingne, who plays the main fairy in this show, mm. Vignette Stonemoss. So I'm going to talk a little bit about her first. Vignette. That is her name. Like vinaigrette. Yes, but fancy. Vignette. But make it fancy. But make it fancy. <laughs> I'm just repeating you for Sarah. <laughs> um, so I actually watched an interview with Nick Dudman, and he said that when he was designing the fairies, he wanted to... Like, because the fairies are probably the most human-looking of the fae creature in the show. And he wanted them to differentiate from humans, but he said that any changes he made to the fairy species had to first make sure... He had to first make sure that they would look good on Cara Delevingne, because she is, like, the... 
the main fairy. So anything that they do to the fairies, if it doesn't work on Kara, they're not doing it on any of the fairies. Damn. Basically. Yeah. So he, like, thought of this idea of basically turning the inside of her ear where the anti-helix is. Mm. I had to look up a graph. I don't know that off the top of my head. Anti-helix. I'm not that good. The anti-helix of the ear. He basically came up with this idea of kind of like a shell conch pattern with its ripples. Yeah. And putting that there. And when he tried it on her, they did a couple camera tests, and he was like, this is it. It looks great. It's a really minor detail, but all of the fairies have this little seashell texture in their ears, along with their wings, obviously. And And it's not like your classical pixie ear. No, it's not like a pointy ear at all. It's different. It's just that little bit of... Conch shell vibe. Yes. It's really cool. Yeah, and that was just a little silicone piece that they would blend right into her ear. And then obviously all the fairy have these really beautiful wings. They're like flying around everywhere. So some of the fairies in the show that Vignette is friends with and that some of her story revolves around um, work together in a home as sex workers. And those fairies are all fitted with really colorful blue wigs. They all have really cool eye makeup. That's awesome. Yeah, so they all have kind of a really cool look to them. Yeah. Um, And it just suits their fairy kind of look really well. But you also get to see them before they became sex workers. And so you see them before they get, like, the colorful hair. And it's all just... Doll themselves up and change identity for when they're at work a bit. Exactly. And then there's, like, this gang of creatures that are, like, kind of ganging up. Because the city is a bit... The humans are, like, consider themselves, like, superior. And if you're, like, one of the creatures... Yeah, right? (laughs) Wow, they've never done that before. Mm. Um, Basically, if you're not a human, you're, like, considered lesser in this city. They're like, ew, gross, you're a fae. Not Mm. human. Yeah. So the face start to get a little pissed off because they start to be like, you know what? We're actually pretty cool. And we're the ones that can fly. So, yeah. Why are you hate Superior. Exactly. So, and it's a mur- it's a, about murders of fae. Yes. Oh, so it's for sure like an evil human being an asshole. Well, you'll have to watch to find out. Can't I'm give intrigued. away too much. I'm intrigued. But there's a gang of these creatures that kind of rise up and that are slowly working their way up in the shadows to do, you know, things. Bad for the humans. They're like, exactly, fuck you. Because they're like, you know what? I'm done with you. And those all, all of those creatures have really dark smoky eyes and dark lips and they're all kind of, because they're all kind of like goth and evil. There's also like a really big vibe of steampunk throughout this show, which I yes. thought was really cool. From the costumes and the hair and the props. Very big steampunk vibe. I love that. Which we love. Diving into what I'm mainly focusing on this episode are the fawn, or as the show calls them, pucks. And they're basically these creatures that are, like, human-esque. They have hooved feet, and they have these big horns, almost like mountain goats, that curl down from their heads. They also kind of have, like, that little tuft of fur hair on the top of their face. And they're really cool. They seem like really great people, you know? All of them gentle people. the pucks. I would be friends with them. I wonder if that's taken from Midsummer's Night's Dream. As like, because I don't think in Midsummer's Night's Dream, Puck, I think, she, she, I, I want to say a fairy, but I don't think, or he. I think it's he. I th- think he's a fairy, but let's, no, dude, you're right. Puck's a fawn. Yes. Look, he's got There's fawn there. vibes. Oh, Mystical look at vibes. you go. It was, yes. He's like kind of like a fawn-esque type of person. So, yeah, I wonder if that's what it was kind of taken from. It very well could be. That's a good educated guess. Look at you go. Thank you, William Shakespeare. It's actually because, like, to circle it back around to me again, I played (laughs) Puck in an adaptation of The Midsummer Night's Dream. Wow. Yeah. I played a monkey in Jungle Book. Nice. Although I've been told by a lot of people I was the best monkey. Mmm. I bet. Anyway, back to <laughs> So to create these creatures, really interesting. I actually watched a video, which I'm going to include the link because it was so interesting to see how they developed the application to kind of streamline it because they're also doing this application on like people in the deep background. So they wanted oh. a way to make it look really good, also do it really fast and to be able to do it on a large capacity. Mm. So what they do is the actors will first come in, they'll go through makeup where they'll get generally like a corrective, maybe a darker eye or a berry lip, something along those lines. They'll then go into the wig department where they'll get a wig cap, come back to makeup effects, where they'll be fitted with this bald cap, 
foam type piece. It's a hard cap though, but it looks oh. like a foam ball cap, if you know what I mean. It's yeah. like a skull cap basically. Mm. And drilled into that skull cap is these two little plastic pieces that fit on either side of their head near their temples. And the horns, which are the puck kind of twirly mountain goat horns, magnet to nice. the side of the head. Nice. So they just snap on and off. And there must be some strong magnets there. They definitely are because the horns are plastic because you can yeah. tell when the actor holds them that they're hard. Maybe not plastic, but maybe like an acrylic or something like that. Okay. And that allows them to make lots of different caps in various sizes. So they're able to fit it without actually fitting it to the background. Right. Because you have so like smart. multiple sizes, right? Yeah. So you can see like what's going to suit. Exactly. And all the horns are kind of different. Exactly. And then you just oh. like pick two horns, like one left and one right oh. and pop Doesn't them Doesn't even on. have to match. No, they have, cool. like, boxes of, in their BG tent, they have, like, boxes of, like, the caps and the horns and, like, all that stuff. So oh, then, smart. after that, after the horns are applied, they get this silicone prosthetic that goes over top of their forehead and kind of goes just over top of the, the horns where they attach to the skull cap. So it's hiding the so edges. So it hides it, makes it look like the horns are growing out of their, kind of their cheekbones. As a separate piece. Exactly. Then they'll head back into the hair department where they get a piece of kind of curly short hair, kind of looks like poodle fur, mm. if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Which basically just fits in the widow's peak and then goes back over their head to hide the rest of the plastic cap. Wow. And back and forth, but worth they it. They do a lot of back and forth, yeah. And then that's how they create the pucks. And those are happening on like scales of like hundreds of people in certain wow. scenes. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. That's so smart. I know. I was like, I never really would have thought of Nick that. Nick Dudman. He's a genius. He is. Moral of I the love story. that. Yeah, like I said, I'll attach a YouTube link because it's actually a really interesting application. And I was like, well, this is very cool. And so do they just have, sorry, do you say like a smoky eye as well? Or like Sometimes. Dark or? It really depends on the character. The puck do tend to have a darker, because the silicone prosthetic kind of meets them over the kind of where the temple cheekbone area is mm. they do have a darker eye just as one of their kind of like anatomy features and i guess it would like pronounce the brow more too exactly it makes it look more angular and a little mm. bit darker there but then some of the fae do have smoky eyes and darker yeah. makeup do the pucks have like noses as well like the class no so the prost so they have human noses oh. so the prosthetic blends right around the top of their nose mm. just under their eyebrow and then along by their cheekbone so it's covering like almost their entire forehead really okay it's like kind of so it's like that their noses are normal human yeah so their okay, noses so they don't have like the little fawn kind of nose no so the lower half of their face is human looks right. totally human but the top half of their face is where their horns grow in so their forehead has that same horn texture and color and mm. mm -hmm. yeah it's very interesting i guess like carnival row kind of sounds like to me what bright the film with joel egerton and will smith kind yeah of came out. and it's kind of like humans versus mystical creatures what's another way of showing systematic racism exactly and it shows like because a lot of the fae creature that have come to berg have done so because their homes have been terrorized by war or by poverty and so they've fled to berg where there's you know more jobs and more mm -hmm. things happening and now because berg is was normally a human city it's now been you know, the humans look at everybody else as outsiders and as lesser than them. And at its core, it really is, is a representation of xenophobia. I really want to watch the show now. It's really good. We've inspired each other. Oh, nice. Love it when that happens. That's a good episode. <laughs> um, just to wrap it up, everything about the makeup and hair department that they've created for this show is just so beautiful and so interesting. And I really appreciate the scale that they are able to create because, like I said, it's so much practical makeup. Mm -hmm. There are so many creatures in this movie that I thought were CG'd or were added in post. And then seeing the behind the scenes videos, they're there getting their final touches by like six artists. It's wow. insane. Yeah. Um, there's scenes that. of the city bustling with humans and creatures of all kind, bringing Berg to life and not just this kind of fantastical show. It really brings it to life. Like you think it's a real place. The show is a testament to the power of makeup effects when creating otherworldly universes. I highly recommend watching it at Ruby. <laughs> and now that season two's out, it's like the perfect show to binge. And I love that it's a steampunk vibe. It's super steampunk. Their costumes, 
It just, it made it, like, different. They were like, yes, mystical creatures, but make it steampunk. Spicy. (laughs) Add a little bit of spice. That's what we like. (laughs) That's awesome. I really enjoyed that. That was awesome. And Nick Dunman, what the man. The magnetic clip-on horns reminded me of the time that me and Victoria, um, another great makeup artist, did that unicorn film. (laughs) (laughs) Have you talked about that? I don't think I have. I think it's actually quite traumatic i might save it for next episode that's a story that needs its own episode that I is think. and it, it involved like magnets but then not having magnets and then just like bothering it and i it, mean and it wasn't it oh lord that was an eventful two-day shoot out in interior bc you know in what? 40 degree heat we'll talk about that show and we'll talk about the worst day on set on Van Helsing for us next episode too. Oh, yeah. Those two stories together. Let's open with that. That's a good painted picture. Hey, see what we're doing. You gotta, you gotta listen on. Trust us. Oh, my stomach grumbled. And that's our cue. Yeah. Oh wait. We have a product. We do. Here we are. We're not done just yet, you little. Nice bitch. try. <laughs> so for our product that we've decided, I really like the brand Fresh. They do a lot of different skincare products, and something that I'm really enjoying right now and using on myself is the lip balm. It's very hydrating, it's called Sugar, and the flavor I personally love is Mint and Lime. It is a pretty heavy lip balm, but it absorbs pretty fast and just tastes like a nice little mojito on your lips. Mm. And I'd really recommend it sold at Sephora and a variation of colors and sizes and flavors. Flavors, have you? Speaking of fresh, I really, I don't know if you've used their rose toner water. No. It's really nice. It's really lightweight. Smells really good. Obviously, if you have a rose a, a rose allergy, it might not be so good for you. Mm, yeah, give it a miss. But um, it's a really lightweight and gentle toner. It also has hyaluronic acid, which we've talked about hey, before. So yeah. it's got that good hydration. That's what we like. Mm-hmm. They seem to be the masters <clears throat> of hydrating skin fresh. Definitely. And I think now that we're getting into winter and the cold months and skin's extra dry, mm. you want that. And also, like, I found my skin's being really dry from wearing a mask all the time at work and Same. out and doing that, that I'm getting, like, a bit of an eczema around, you know, where a goatee would lie. <laughs> like, that's where I'm getting a little bit of dry skin. So I've been just really working on getting some hydrating products in and just kind of repairing and helping my skin in that mm-hmm. way. Uh, what is, of course, amplified by winter, too. Yeah, it's double whammy of dryness. Bada boom, bada bing. In a bad way. Yeah. Also, I have a little tip. Oh, amazing. A little tip have you. Um, is using mattifier. This is a great tip. It's a short and sweet one. Yeah, mm-hmm. we do. Uh, so I really like MAC mattifier, and it's basically taking away any shine. So I feel like it's not really used as a beauty I was just going like, to say, I don't even think you can get their anti-shine from normal Mac stores. I think you have to go to the Mac Pro stores. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure because it's just so uncommon in an everyday beauty. Pro- but I don't even know why it is. It's a great it product. Be. It should it's be. It's basically this clear kind of gel gel like, that you can buy and you put it on and it just mats, instantly mats out anything you put it on. So... If you're a really shiny person and you don't even do effects makeup, you don't even do makeup. You're just a shiny person and you just want something mm-hmm. to dab on top of your nose. Yeah. Great choice. Yeah, MAC Mattifier. But also, there's other brands of Mattifier too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just one that I've heavily used. And Mattifier can also really help sticky blood. It can be used on top of prosthetics like foam um, as well to create like that de-shine. But then if you've got like loads of sticky blood and say it's on a neck piece... Or, like, it's just blood and it's not on prosthetic and maybe it's all sticking together in between the neck folds or whatever. <laughs> you can put a bit of mattifier and it will, like, help, like, not create that to stick and also take away any shine. Um, I also had a character with blood all over their hands and their hands were, like, sticking and, like, they couldn't move them. So a bit of mattifier, like, loosen that up and help them with that. So it can be used in a special effects term and a beauty term, like we said. I also really like it because when you're applying fake bloods, Especially when they're water-based, sometimes when they dry, they get very stiff and cracky. Mm. And then I obviously just finished a, I've talked about it before, I finished a vampire show. People are getting neck wounds left, right, and center. Oh, yeah. And so when we use mouth blood because it's a water base and it dries after it's been poured onto someone's neck, it dries very hard and stiff and 
if they go to move their neck the wrong way and it cracks the makeup, it can kind of hurt. Like really, almost like the it just pulls on the baby hairs, right? Yeah, it's like on it's the something that shouldn't be there. Fine hairs, exactly. So a lot of times we'll pop some mattifier on that before they move, and then it kind of just takes that's away awesome. that crackiness. Yeah, that's great. And like I said, you can use it on the prosthetic foam that we've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Silicone um, too. And you can use it on silicone, but I've heard from someone, and I haven't been in this position, when you're using it on silicone, check your mattifier, because I've been told oh, it it's, isn't great to place directly onto a silicone prosthetic. If that it's alcohol-based, That is soft or soft. Yeah, I can't, re- I don't remember, recall exactly, but mm-hmm. I have heard people say, like, because mattifiers can have a high silicone content, Which would not help to put you. it on silicone because it will actually, like, make it ball and become problematic. Interesting. So if you are using it on a silicone prosthetic, um, I'm sorry, I can't give you that, like, Tell us. Device. Tell us Please. what happens. Please. We'd love to know. But, uh, yeah, just maybe be like, hmm, should I be putting this on here? Yeah, especially if it. you didn't make the prosthetic or apply the yeah, prosthetic. Yeah, especially silicone. Oof. Oh, that's expensive. Bad bad one to mess up on. Yeah. With that, I guess we'll wrap it up here. Do you want to sing our goodbye songs? (laughs) And now we have a short chorus. We put our guitar. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think you should. You like nailed it last time. Okay, here we go. Doing the stretches. Yeah, getting in the zone. Getting in the outro zone. (laughs) If you feel like following us on Instagram, you can find us at Blush and Stuff pod or you can check us out on twitter at blush and stuff underscore pod if you have any questions or want to correct us or whatever uh you can email us at blush and stuff pod at gmail.com there it is and that's us that's all of our handles have a sweet life yes we'll see you next time bye